0: I'm pretty comfortable anywhere I go.
1: That's my main goal
0: in
1: life. (laughs) I think you've done well in your history to ensure that quality. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but there you go. Yeah. Well, you're pretty trained, well versed. Um, we just roll right into it, Kevin. There's no intro here. You're already in. (laughs) You gotta be on at all times. All right. That's it. So, guys, thanks for tuning into this one time today. My guest is a very good friend of mine, Mr. Kevin Mohat.
0: How you doing? Um, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Well, it's good to be alive. I was dead, so I'm alive now. That's a good thing. You yes. want to start there? Okay. I, yeah, we have <laughs> to get
1: into that. Um just do that, man. It's the juiciness, I guess. Let's all do right. it. So, you suffered a Widowmaker heart attack. Full on. Survival rate is? 5%. 5%. All right. Yeah. So paint the day. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go. let me go
0: back a little bit and then yes. I'll fill it in. And then just make sure we're like right here. Okay. It's, you can bring it to you.
1: It's yeah. Originally,
0: um, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. So I'll start there. All right. I'm writing a book. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, I started off in Omaha, Nebraska. I was born in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I moved to Omaha, Nebraska. I was raised there. Uh, I was adopted by my. Uh, Father and my mom was there, but both my brothers my brother and I were adopted and uh, So I was raised in Omaha. I went to a Catholic grade school played hockey uh, Swam and did all that. So That's
1: where the love started.
0: Yeah, I played hockey growing up as a very young hockey player and uh, Boxed when I was a little kid Um, My dad was a marine boxer. So we always grew up boxing and just doing that kind of stuff. I moved out here in 1982 Um, I played um, my last year of hockey and left Omaha. I my, in high school I managed the ice skating rinks and drove the Zamboni, and <laughs> so hockey was life. But anyway, I moved out here to um, work on a cotton farm. Okay, and that cotton farm is on Ray Road in Higley now. Um, it is no longer a cotton farm. Yeah, I'm looking there. That's there's the Joe's Air Farm Grill. Farm Grill. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I moved out here in '82, August 15th, 1982. I left a job in Omaha where the average temperature was about 35 degrees mm-hmm. in an ice skating rink, and I ended up in a cotton field August fifteenth, 1982. Were you just looking around? I was like, what did I just yeah, do? Yeah, my dad says, you'll be back. And I said, no, I won't be. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I moved here, and that was my aunt and uncle's cotton farm. And now it's uh, Agritopia yes. and Joe's Farm Grill and all that. Joe's my first cousin. Oh, okay. So Joe's mother, who's passed away, and my mother, who's gone, they were sisters from Iowa. And mm-hmm. so there's the connection in the family. So fast forward, um, here I was, uh, Valentine's Day this year, 2000, uh, 2022. And uh, I had just gotten over COVID and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. I had really got, I got sick with it first part of January, like first week. I yeah. knew I had it because I had all the symptoms. Couldn't yeah. get a test wow you remember you couldn't get a test it's just like you, everybody had covid but you had to like wait in a four-hour line to go get a test and yeah. all that crap and i'm like no 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 so i just wrote it out and went to the doctor after i was feeling better and she said yeah you had covid because she did an antibody test on me so she said go be one with yourself and have a blast and i'm like all right <laughs> you know so i had been playing hockey already Um, I like to go during the day and just pick up hockey with guys, you know. And most of them are half my age. Yeah. And um, I'm almost, I'll be 60 this year. Looking good. I feel good, yeah. And um, so, I like to go skate with the young guys, you know. And I chirp all the time, like, you're getting tired and all that kind of stuff, you know.
1: (laughs) Keeping up with the old man. Mm -hmm.
0: Right, right. And I do okay. But um, this time, I just all of a sudden got gassed. I mean, like. Gas. So you, you, on the, on the rink you felt it.
1: You're like something's
0: not. Yeah, right. and I don't get tired. Yeah, I'm just this is me. You know. Yeah, you're always on. Every time I see you. Yeah. You're, I've you're I've been fighting all my life. I have fifth degree black belt. I mean, I tell you, I just don't get physically tired. And I all of a sudden I went what? And I I just thought it was COVID. You know. Yeah. For I just sure. figured it's got to be this COVID mm-hmm, crap because mm-hmm. it kind of lingered. It does. Yeah. And uh, so I <laughs> I was the chirper. Now I was the chirpy because I got to go, guys. You know, I'm, I'm tired. Mm. Yeah, that was kind of brutal. But uh, so I was sitting in the locker room all by myself. And I mean, I was staring at my skates like, please come off my feet. You know, I was really, really going, what is this? You know, I'd never been that tired. I mean, I'd been that tired, but not like that. Not out of your output that you put out. Yeah, there. I was like, I barely was skating, and I mean, I'm just gassed, mm-hmm. and so I just thought, go home. And uh, that's in my head now. Just go home, and I just took my stuff off, shoved it in my hockey bag, loaded it in my car, and I'm and I live. This is on Greenfield, so I live about two and a half miles, one and a half mile that way, and two miles to the east, and they're at my house. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, go home. Just go home and take a shower and go take a nap. And I pulled up to Higley in Warner, which is in Gilbert, and I was heading east. At the stoplight, I saw it turning orange. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, okay, I, this is what I remember. Okay.
1: Get that mic. Put it, put it oh, between sorry? me and you. No, put it between oh, me and you. No. you getting feedback? No, 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 because we need to make sure we get this like.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is intense. So, All right. All right. here because you're you're staring at me okay like that yeah all right
1: there we go so now everybody will appreciate it now okay there you go there that's better
0: all right so uh back up i was on my way home yeah and um i was pulling up to higley and warner uh, heading east and um i just remember the light was turning orange and i actually the last memory that i have was that um of a like a 1972 ford up tailgate it must have been a custom because it was brown and yellow yeah and the silver and then that was it
1: oh so the guy you were sitting behind
0: yeah i was i was waiting to go through the you know was, now there's a red light and i died i died right there in my car Oops. yeah dead or hell. No. i don't know how my car got put in park but uh um yeah i was okay so
1: we're gonna i want to we're going to go back to that. So that's your last memory before it happens. What's the next thing you, you see um, when you come to? When I'm
0: coming to, um, that's really faint. The first, you know, my wife and I talked about it. The, um, the first memory I had was having a tube in me. Mm-hmm. And my wife's telling me that I had a widow maker and i'm like what i don't you know i i just remember that
1: so the the procedure's done your life is saved Oh yeah, now I'm, you're back and i'm here yeah yeah
0: i'm i'm here now so yeah.
1: what's the time frame on that do you think
0: i was dead 13 minutes oh shit completely dead 13 but, minutes when
1: so so you say you're talking to your wife now so obviously i'm in the hospital be, now this is hours yeah this
0: is after the hospital so basically um in my car I expired and the the first in 13.
1: Dude, I've been telling people like seven minutes, 13 minutes. I've been
0: gone 13 minutes. Yeah. That's a lot.
1: (laughs) Dude. Well, for one, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're here. We're going to talk about
0: the boys that that saved you. But so so your wife's there with you. So anyway, I, uh, yeah, this is at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so I remember only briefly, um, waking up with a tube, and if you've ever had one, I don't know if you have. I mean, it's just, no. it's really like claustrophobic quickly. And she told me what had happened. And then I went back to sleep. Well, apparently she said, put him back out. <laughs> she, I said, oh, you wanted to see it. So she knocked me silly. You know, so anyway, she put me back out. Yeah. So that's what that was. You need
1: the recovery. You need the rest. It's yeah. so good on her. But yeah. shoot. So so you remember that. So That was you my first
0: out. memory in, in the hospital. Yes. Um, but it, it's crazy. You know, they did, uh, what we know from the police report is right at about 1100 plus give or take, uh, compressions on me, Wow, on my chest.
1: And I, so my, my first question would be, is there a standard or they just, they just do it until somebody peels them off and it says,
0: Hey, it's, it's that's enough. what the standard is. You don't recover from chest compressions. Generally, yeah. um, not at, at least not with my widow maker heart attack. Yeah. Um, you can assist the heart to beat, but, um, with my widow maker, what happened, we found out later through, um, several other people, yeah, I found out everybody I talked to looked at me like, dude, you're, I never met you before, man. You know? So, oh, whoa. Like you, you came, nobody's ever met me before. Everybody I talked to every cardiologist, every doctor, I'm going to a neurologist guarantee you, he's never met me before either.
1: Um, so you're not, you're not. So I'm going like on this crazy, like, like, um, transcendent type. Like you came back a different person. No, they mean they've never seen somebody that went through what you went through and would and, be sitting in their and office and talking
0: to them and talking to them. Nobody's lived that long to talk to them to tell them about it to explain what happened prior and after and none of them wow yeah everybody i've talked to i'm completely unique so you're almost one. like a case study i have been i've actually been interviewed obviously this is kind of fun but uh um yeah i've been i'm in uh, <laughs> don't
1: put me on the, on yeah. the level of neurologist well i got a call from
0: mayo <laughs> Dude. yeah i'm on mayo's list now they um did a study with they put me on their study um, they asked me that they have, this is a crazy thing, but I'll tell you about that as we progress. Yeah. I don't want to digress too much. But anyway, the, um, the, that day, um, was an amazing thing. You know, I wasn't supposed to live. There was no way. Uh, cause I had from this COVID I had two what did I find out were in the words of my cardiologist, he pulled two complete gummy worms out of my artery my what's called the LAD artery which is what runs the major ventricle the left side the big one the big one yeah Yeah, that's the one that does the big push with all your blood and the oxygenation and all that
1: because it comes in through the atrial on the right, and right it goes out
0: the ventricle you know that big left yes. ventricle you know and that what happens is with that I'm not an expert on it but I do know that when that ventricle contracts they measure how much blood comes out. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's called your ejection fraction. Okay. That's an important number because I've I've broken the rules (laughs) on ejection fraction because my heart was dead for 13 minutes. Yes. It was getting the only oxygen that was getting was what I had done at the ice rink. So by oxygenating my body, like I do, there was still oxygen in my body that they were able to pump through by doing compressions. Oh wow! Get it? Yes, yes. I was yes. Very oxygenated. When I'm playing hockey, you get very oxygenated. Yeah. It's like go run ten, you know, five miles. You're going to be very cardiovascular. Oxy- sucking in. I mean. All that oxygen's in your blood. It's in your muscles. That oxygen's working, right? So all of a sudden, I die. Well, there's still oxygen in there. Yeah. It just has to be moved through. Yeah. And so those compressions is what they were able to move through my body, and so after the fact. When he did all what they did is they pulled these LA, they pulled these gummy bears out of this, the best I can call it, out of these two arteries that basically they were just sucked in there.
1: Are they sitting in like ammonia? or? Oh like man, anger? I wanted to like, see it. I want,
0: like, you got them? He's just like, shelf. no, those go. But anyway, I hit. Well, with, they need to study those. <laughs> well, what they did was they go in there and they have this grabber thing and they grab it and they pull it out and at the same time they shove a stent in there.
1: Gotcha. Oh, the old, uh kind like of the, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones, it, it's a
0: weird thing is it reaches through grabs you when it sticks it in there So I have two of them in me now. Okay, and it keeps those arteries open and they put me on medicine and stuff So they measure your ejection fraction and what that is is the percentage of your total blood Like you like five liters, I guess. Yes. All right So the percentage of that amount every time your ventricle squishes or beats, what's the amount going out? Gotcha. So there's a percentage at the time i was deemed to be right around 28 30 percentage of my heart was working Uh that's not a lot that means at any time you drop below that my heart just quits yeah so they had me on medicines to lower um my blood pressure which already was really 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 low and i had to wear this silly vest in case it did go and it was going to shock me i had to wear that for a while. But I went back to the doctor in May, and my ejection fraction is now up to a minimum of 48. Okay. I'm back playing hockey. Whoa. You know? I, I
1: saw those photos. Man. I was back was playing like... hockey
0: the other day, you know? <laughs> I I, was like a wild man. Yeah, the only thing that's bothering me is my hip. And they did that when they yanked me out of the car. They jacked my hip, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're like, hey, ah! I'm sure what they were doing was not good, but... Well, and, and you.
1: you're dead. You're 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 limp. You're you're yeah, big. You're I'm a big, man. big guy, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it was crazy. So I'm really thankful for those. You know. So I wanted to make sure I give a big shout out to. Uh, yeah,
1: let's talk about the the crew because you've you've definitely spent some time with them since. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, it was a really cool thing. Um, uh, you know, I spent years training law enforcement in I'm really endeared to yeah. to the teams and what they do, and most people don't understand what kind of sacrifice they do. And Immense, yeah. Their pers- their their um, perseverance mm-hmm. is the one thing. You know, I used to teach officers in general, military. Some of them, you know, just how to survive the fight. You know, when you survive a fight, it is because you decide, "I'm going to decide, I'm gonna, I'm gonna survive this fight." Yeah, you just decided. Yeah. No matter what happens to you now, you're gonna survive the fight. So likely, you're gonna win it if you just make that decision. But if any time you decide I'm not gonna win this fight, you're you not sealed. Yeah, yeah you sealed yeah. you sealed your fate. So you know, I taught that for officer survival for years. Don't give up. Whatever you do, just put something in your head and don't give up. Right? Yeah. Like your kid or your whatever it is. Just make it happen. And um, so. Here I am. <laughs> I'm dead in, the, in my car for two complete light um, rotations. Cycles, yeah. Right? And I, I was laughing. I'm like, well, great. I'm glad I wasn't in New York because they'd probably say, hey, get out of the way, you son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> the dare you die on my time? Yeah, they'd have had me towed <laughs> out of there, you know? <laughs> Instead, <laughs> I mean, Gilbert, so... Apparently people care enough to listen to that. Well, maybe something's going on. Yeah. And I'm not just on my cell phone, but,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause that's what somebody would think. I right? would uh-huh. come out here and be like, what's
0: going on? What's up, asshole? Like, that's right. You're so, like, like, apparently somebody uh, did kind of go, hey, like, Oh, up? this
1: guy just passed out drunk. Yeah. Like, no. So
0: no. they, uh, they apparently looked at me. I don't know how my car got in park. Yeah. I, I have my suspicions, but, um, cause I wouldn't have put my car in park at an intersection for any reason that I could possibly think of or even remotely remember. But anyway, a gentleman, I won't name him because I don't think he wants to be named, yeah. um, checked on me. And he saw that it looked like I was having a seizure, he said, but I was just slumped over. And he assumed that I had, had a seizure. In fact, I was actually dead. Yeah. Um, and a woman behind him got out. and He was calling 911, telling the you know, 911 operator that he's in the intersection and there's a motorist so um and then another lady they pulled me out and then the lady started doing compressions on me and that was um they she said she did like 60 to 100 she couldn't she lost count and yeah. then um officer de uh she showed up and she did 400 mm-hmm. on me and then officer liban showed up and he did 600 on me wow yeah and then uh, by this time, what's ironic, it's crazy because I'm at the, the intersection of Higley and Warner, a thousand, okay, a thousand feet away, maybe a thousand, yeah, about a thousand. It's a fire department. They're right there. That's right. Yeah. So through all the EMS system, you know, they were the first responders. The police were, she was in the neighborhood doing a report or something. When I talked with her, she said, yeah. I was just in the neighborhood, so I just heard, you know, motorists down or something and she just rolled and then she realized, Oh my God. Well, you know, that was one of the things that I think might have happened recently in Gilbert because there's been I insisted to meet the police officers and, and also uh station six. Yeah. You know, station six was there, Sean Bowers and his team nice. were all there. And um, you know, it's a pretty amazing thing because um what they did actually is the only reason why I'm here. Yeah. There is no other reason. I mean, sure enough, but
1: wow. (laughs) Yeah. If, yeah. You know, for those that want to, you know, take it to that spiritual level in the sense, you know, they, these folks were guided. Well, I can tell you,
0: you know, I have no doubt about that. Um, it's the uncanny things that have occurred. Yes. I'm, I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. I look at things rather, um, Logically, yes, that's just me. Yeah, and um, you know, since this has happened, um, I've done some, my own journey on it. I wanted to kind of find out a little bit about what I had gone through. Yes, and what I'm still going through a little bit, you know, and yeah. what is that? You know, what is that in my head that's happening and all that? Because it's like, well, is it being gone for so long? Does that a brain issue or is it yeah, just what I, I saw? Would
1: think you know you were right. without. Well, I guess you were without breathing yourself, but since they were doing compressions, you I wasn't getting, breathing for 13 minutes. Yeah, but you were getting the, that oxygenated blood a little right? bit. So, yeah. so brain. it's like at what point in time? Because you've always heard that, like, oh, somebody was without oxygen for X amount of minutes, right. and now they're just brain dead. Brain dead. Right? But look at you. Man. I know. Just, I'm
0: I'm okay. I can die. <laughs> no. Um, but the funny part for me is, um, I am so healthy. Yeah. I'm intensely healthy. Yeah. Um, before this happened, my blood pressure was never below 100. It was always 160, 100 to 70. That number, yeah. resting heart rate, I can get it down to 35 if I try <laughs> cuz you're
1: trained, man. Yeah, right?
0: but normally it's 45. Yeah. Right? And it is right now. And after this my blood pressure is still 90 over 60 and 45 so my pipes are just like really really
1: good it's a testament to just the healthy and vigorous lifestyle that you had before that so you absolutely nothing's ever going to prepare you for moments like this you know where it's like oh yeah this if you do this you'll survive this no but you're hedging your bets Mm -hmm. and you're you're reinforcing that that you can give yourself the best odds which you obviously
0: did right and that also has been that's been my lifestyle um i'm like that in everything i just really feel like do the extra work yeah weren't you like a state or national karate champion in like the late 80s (laughs) oh you would talk about that too yeah as a matter of fact i have a fifth degree black belt in taekwondo and uh i also studied several other martial arts at the time but i had a professional school a professional school uh in chandler out on uh, Channel Boulevard, Kyrene Road. Yeah, hey, isn't there one people. still there? Mm-hmm. Well, they moved it, and I'm not so sure if it's still open. Um, I think the pandemic might have harmed yeah. an awful lot of the gyms oh, and the insane. good the good professional people out there, you know, so it's yeah. a hard thing to make it. You know, that's, I was in it for a living, and uh, but it was a wonderful thing. Um, but yes, I earned uh, a fifth-degree black belt in uh, the American Taekwondo Association, mm-hmm. and uh, I retired out of that and right at around and uh two thousand and one two ish or so and uh I've been in real estate ever since then so that's what I do now I, yes. I sell real estate and and I coach agents and uh mentor seasoned agents as well as new ones um on on different things to do in real estate rather than the traditional yeah uh hard sell stuff so but my martial arts career was a pretty substantial career
1: yeah i've seen some of the uh the photos that you've shared and mm. you, here you are sitting with trophies <laughs> and
0: plaques <laughs> yeah that was funny that was uh there was a photo of me um i had been through our organization had a world championship every year and a grand national every year and uh, the world championship people from all over the world and i fought in uh let's see How many countries 10 well i fought in 10 world championships and i'm going back in years now i'm getting older i would say 12 to 14 grand nationals wow yeah that was a lot of fighting
1: yeah what got you into that
0: uh you know that you were already
1: fighting on the hockey rink (laughs) uh,
0: it's kind of a progressive (laughs) thing i think i found myself in in martial arts um i grew up boxing and i loved boxing and um never real formal like the golden gloves, or anything like that. In that, when I was young, we were just too poor for that. But I uh, grew up playing hockey, and I was a mm-hmm. big kid. And my dad was very stern in um, the fact that he was a Marine boxer, and he specifically, we were in the northern part of Montana, Praska, and son. Yeah, <laughs> the world's not going to treat you nice if you're a weak man. Mm-hmm. So he taught you that, and you know, he, he taught us obviously the the importance of defending yourself but the uh the importance of having respect for others and mm-hmm. so my dad was good that way you know he was uh he was a strong man and he did not tolerate he didn't tolerate any shenanigans yeah and i guess i don't either <laughs> you know yeah i guess i don't
1: well why you know it's it's uh yeah it's You know just that 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 weakness that people can maybe just fall prey to and you know try to just take advantage of that instead of you know doing your best again to reinforce the odds in your favor
0: yeah and i think um you know this tickles a little bit more on my personality is that i'm a guardian personality Mm -hmm. i'm just by my very nature i'm a guardian I do a lot of things that um, teach and lead others. Yeah. That's what guardians do. They teach, they lead, they drive people, you know. And um, I've always done that naturally. I guess um, I was able to take a piece of advice that was given to me early on in a very early age and use it forever um, was to, if you learn, teach, you will do.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I've always maintained that. Um, sure. I learned it years ago. I've been playing music for 52 years now, almost 53. And she was one of my initial music teachers that taught me if you learn something, teach it right away. Yeah. And then you will do it. In- And And you'll do it better, too. You do it better. um,
1: You know, when you do something and you're able to perform, it's just like, well, I just do it. I just execute. But when you have to go through the step-by-step process to convince, or not convince, but um, allow another person to learn exactly what you're doing, you have to know each and every step. So it makes you better at what you've already learned because you're having to teach somebody else. That's exactly right. You have to know it to such a degree.
0: I teach mastery. And that's one of the things, that's one of the the hubs, not a hub, but it's one of the spokes of mastery. And um, mastery is something that um, I feel like I've, in in martial arts, I didn't master it. But I mastered the concept of what I think it meant to become a master. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough physical energy to continue the physical drive, to be that physical master in, in the martial arts that I needed to be. I needed to be a more physical person, obviously, yeah. because you can't teach it by showing them on the book and say, oh, yeah, it's technique number 101, PJ. You know, there you go. No, that's not Come here. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. Until
1: Elon says, now download that. Yeah. Okay, there
0: we go. Right. So then them days, it was like, come over here. I'll show you what I mean. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I just, I got older, they got younger, and I got tired of healing. And so there you go. Okay, makes sense it does but all my life i've been fighting and um i was listening to mike tyson yeah he was an amazing man
1: yeah he's yeah people don't think that because you know his young history and yeah. uh, you know his history when he was young and that he was such a savage fighter but savage you fighter. listen to him now Savage. He's well read. Yes, he on, is. When it comes to like, just he's well read of warriors,
0: of warriors. He understands warriors, he and this exactly. is one of the things that I, you know, when you're talking to me, I'm if talking to me about a warrior. I'll talk to you about warriors, and we'll talk about what they are and what they do and how they are very different than what most people think warriors are. They mm-hmm. do not understand if most people do not grab. There's <laughs> a doubtful. <laughs> he's funny. Um, most people do not grab. What a warrior really truly means, and how important it is um, that we raise warriors.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's very important because people think, oh, you want to raise a warrior, you want to raise somebody that's violent in this. And that's like, I oh. want a
0: very violent person,
1: but that chooses to be very peaceful. To be very peaceful because yeah. you're not, you're not, um, what is it? Um, Jordan Peterson has a great quote. Jordan Peterson
0: that. is this quote. Yeah, yeah. I, I follow him regularly. He's a wonderful person. He basically says it this way it is better. To raise a warrior, who can work in a garden, yeah. then where he's a gardener, who has to work in a war, who has to be a warrior, exactly. You know, so in that, I've always been that person. So I've also understood, and it, it's a scary look if you really understand it and you know it. That Mike Tyson, when I was actually I was listening to a kind of an interview he had um, the other day, and it was powerful mm-hmm. because he said he knows what he can do. He knows what he was feeling when he was, He said, "I was in that ring to kill that person." Yeah, I, like, I get, I yeah. I'm
1: thinking about it, because it's like you have to take yourself to that degree. So that's the thing. It's like you 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 sh- can be scared of your potential. Here is the thing: if you are not scared of your potential, <laughs> you're, you'll you'll fall prey to it. You will probably. That's because, a great advice because it's a fact. It, yeah, because next thing you know, it it takes over you. Yes, it is. So you have to be able to um, battle that inner, you know, I say demon, but just that, that urge. Cause the, the quote from Jordan Peterson was something along the lines of, um, you can't be nice if you're not dangerous. Cause if you're, if you're not dangerous, but you're, you're nice, you're only nice because you can't be dangerous. Right. And if you had the potential to get a weapon, Now you become dangerous, Mm -hmm. and yet you don't have the skills. Right.
0: You know, I've always felt um, that... It's crazy we're having this conversation because I was just having it with another person that I've been talking with, um, that's suffering. I think he's suffering in his life. He's less of a person than he used to be and he's having a hard time figuring that out. Yeah.
1: And he, most of us can relate to that. Uh, yeah,
0: and I was telling him I can relate, man. Yeah. You know, quite frankly, I, I feel your pain, yes. you know. I understand it. And that's a big part of what I try to coach people to understand is that I don't care what business you're in, whether you're a parent or not. If you are, by your very wiring, destined to be leader, and be a leader is is a very, um, it's a kind of a bandied about concept mm-hmm. what leadership truly is. Yeah. And I have defined leadership in my own way, but I've always um, had a pretty good concept of what leadership look like, yeah. and I can spot when people are leading by saying, "Hey." follow me do what I do look at my fancy schmancy self this is what you want to be see the fancy schmancy felt self that I am you want to be just like me don't you don't you don't you don't you and the next thing you know everybody's got a little following and they think they're a leader yeah in reality they're not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are a few frogs on a on a lily pad but there's a big world out there and they're not leading anybody yeah okay so in leadership it needs to be from a sense of high high, high levels of empathy as well as viciousness. Mm -hmm. Because if you are only leading through empathetic response, everybody's pain in the ass is going to be your your method of leadership. You see? So if I'm leading strictly and only through the premise of coercion, right, being badder than you, you know, forcing you to do things. Maybe that boss you have that's just coercive, nothing good about it. They're just lost on their own. Without you, you know they'd really be lost, but they don't care. They're still telling you that. Yeah. That's their form of leadership, which is coercion and um, putting somebody down condescending-wise and things like that. That's not leadership. Mm-hmm. That's a weak mm-hmm. person, right? Yes. We understand yeah. that. So that's a person trying to use what I would consider the violent side of them. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing it with a sense of empathy, meaning I'm helping us here. Here's what we're going to do is a sense of outward leadership. We're going to do this because it's all for the better. Mm-hmm. Or if I see the group is doing so well, I want to step away from the group and, let and them. encourage them yeah. to be themselves. So that, def- that definition I learned when I was irrigating cotton down here yes yeah i've had the opportunity to train a lot of different military people i've had the opportunity to be paid by the military in the government yeah so i've had the unique opportunity to see that side of leadership and how they do it and what they are i've had one and two star generals in my employ back and forth in negotiating with people that are very high supposedly on leadership and they're still learning from me because i would sign Each of my letters in thankful, you know, I'd be thankful. That's how we did it. In those days, you'd write a physical letter and you mail it, right? Yeah. And And and
1: now if somebody does that, it means so much more, though. No, no, it 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 does.
0: I never lost that art. But anyway, I would always sign it with L-I-A-S-B. L-I-A-S-B, the initials, in capital. And I would just leave it out there. And eventually I'd get somebody say, what is this L-I-A-S-B? I go, oh, you mean leadership is a sheep's butt? (laughs) And they'd look at me and they go, okay, I'm into that. What are we talking about? And years and years and years ago in Gilbert, most people don't know this or even remember it, um, the shepherds would bring thousands, I'm talking tens of thousands of sheep, down to the valley for the winter. Mm -hmm. And they would pen them up in the wintertime down here over the alfalfa fields and let them graze on the alfalfa and stuff. But tens of thousands of sheep would walk down the road yeah. to get to the pasture. So they bring them out of the mountains in trucks, dump them out, and then just herd them straight down Ray Road. <clears throat> thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep yeah. walking down Ray Road. So here I am from Nebraska. My last job was riding, driving a Zamboni machine that okay. cleans the ice all of a sudden, I look over, and it's the middle of February, really cold out, and I'm sitting in an irrigation dish with a piece of broken karate boards warming myself until he comes out to give me my job for the day. Yeah. You know? And I look up, and there's sheep walking down the street. hmm Like thousands of sheep walking down the street, but not a person around. Not a human being. Huh. I know. I was going, Huh. Thousands of sheep were walking by, not a single person, not a car, not a truck, not nothing. And I did not ever, I did not know what to do. I was like, do I go shut the gate? What is it, you know? And I looked down Ray Road as far as I could see. It was barely sunrise, just bobbing heads of sheep, as far as I could see. Yeah. And a big cloud of dust, and I'm like, what is this? And next thing you know, here comes the end of the sheep. Two fellows from south of the border carrying a McDonald's bag, in a, a milk jug of water just talking to each other walking behind these sheep how do the sheep know where to go
1: i don't know i would and, say maybe it's not their first time making that walk
0: maybe not and what is those what do those two people look at all day long when they're leading those sheep
1: in the sheep's butt
0: precisely what are they walking all day long what comes out of that sheep's butt.
1: Walking <laughs> sheep shit.
0: Yeah. So if you're a leader and you're not walking in sheep shit, you're not much of a leader.
1: Ooh, okay. I like that.
0: That's how that goes. Yeah. And I told every one of those military officers, so get your shit in the sheep chip and get going. Yeah. Because that's how it is. The leaders understand it's not pretty it's not glamorous Mm -hmm. there is no sense of accomplishment unless you can only find it in your own self because they're not going to come up and say you did it wonderful they're going to say and if appropriately so we did it
1: good exactly yeah yeah
0: you know then when they say we did it good you know that you as a leader accomplished your task if you have to stand in front of the group and point to them and say, we did it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You didn't lead.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're coercing that reaction out of them. You
0: did not lead. You simply were bringing attention to your ideas. But when they, as a collective group, without you in it, say, look what we did, mm-hmm. you can quietly on the sidelines say, there you go. That's leadership. That's hard to find nowadays.
1: Yes. Very hard to find. Everybody just wants to sit behind their desk in a cushy job and just be able to. Get a click. Get a like.
0: Get a like. Get a, what do you call it? A share. Get a, a a, a subscribe. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, that's what everybody thinks so right now.
1: Yeah. Cause the, the unfortunate side of our, um, economy is that it's very consumer-based. So if you can get eyeballs, then a company can advertise to those eyeballs and sell more product and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. Yeah, it's exactly eyeballs, right?
0: Right. There's a challenge there. Um, And I really feel it's, maybe it's my age. (laughs) could be. I'm a little bit of an old dog this way, but um, I believe that a person ought to learn how to work sure I think a person ought to learn how to experience um, negative customer service responses, meaning yeah. people coming to them complaining yep. about customer service. Um, I've always uh, I've never been um, a waiter or a, you know a bartender, but I was the bus boy. Yeah, there you go. I mm-hmm. was a bus boy when I was 14 had to ride the bus to be a bus boy all the way across town. <laughs> I literally had to do two buses just to get down there so I could make my buck 10 an hour plus tips, you know? Yes. And, uh, you go in the kitchen, any restaurant, uh, you see people working hard. Yeah. And I mean, it makes, it's one of my triggers. When I'm in a restaurant and I see somebody abusing any staff member, mm-hmm. I just, I don't care who you are, you, unless you, and typically it's the person who worked at a restaurant that, that feels a license to do it. Oh God. You know, and that person's just the worst, I think, because the, you use of all people should have empathy. Should,
1: yeah, be the most understood.
0: Right. You, know? well, you
1: do a thing around Christmas, right? I do. At a restaurant. I do. How did that
0: start? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Well, what I do, I am um, very blessed, and I, and I believe that my blessings are real. Um, I believe that part of the problem that most of the um, our population, our human beingness, mm-hmm. our humanness, people uh, look at people with faith, and they go, oh, i get it you got your little pocket monkey you put in your pocket and then you say i got it so i have faith it's all going to turn out wonderful and happy dance no (laughs) i'm sorry that's about no wherever you learn that from go fire them all right (laughs) um i've just really felt that my faith is a verb yeah um it is an action word um and i literally every day experience a miracle and people say, well, yeah, right. What? Why didn't you get the winning lottery ticket? <laughs> because that's not a miracle to me.
1: Yeah. To look at most lottery winners, it's usually a curse. It's
0: not a winner, it's not a, it's not a winner, winner, chicken dinner to me. Yeah. But what is a winner, winner, chicken dinner to me is if I can, with my personality and, and my overwhelming good looks, um, can, attract, hear, 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 hear. Yeah, can attract other people to my cause. And I can demonstrate to them faith in motion? Yeah. In motion. Yeah, exactly. In exact motion, the way I define it, too. I, ex- I explain to people before they come, I said, understand me. You will walk away visibly shaken by the miracle you're about to experience. Mm-hmm. If you do not believe in miracles, you come sit with me for a day, and I will demonstrate that they do and they are here. Yeah. And that a person will say, I just received one. So what I do, and I hope everybody out there will join me. If you don't join me, join somebody else somewhere else because it's never about me, and that's the number one rule. Yeah, You're not allowed to post any of this. I post on the Facebook and, you know. To get people out. To have them come to me. Once, but don't
1: document. I don't
0: allow photos. Uh, If I see one photo, you're going to get a phone call from me, and it's not going to be a good one Mm -hmm. because that means it was all about bringing light to you, not what the miracle was truly about. You yeah. see, and this is where people don't understand what faith really truly is. Okay, and I and I mean this for for from an honest to good point of view. Mm-hmm. People label this in such a way that makes it binary. Yeah, you either are or you you either do or you don't. You either believe in the sky fairy or what do they call it, sky daddy, sky. sky fairy. All those different words that I've heard a bunch of it. Yeah. Or then these people believe the other side is a devoutly, oh, my God, they're just these people that just run around doing exorcisms on people and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. I, I could pick both of you out in the room and let's say, okay, gotcha. Get away from me. You're both toxic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're both very toxic. Just toxicity is not okay. Yes. Because when you bring that toxicity to someone else, You've given them toxic and you've oh, made them yeah. feel toxic. Yes. All right. That's, I don't care what kind of a person you are, whether you're this religious person, if I make you feel like I'm toxic to you, then that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you, as a, I'm not saying you personally, but I mean, yeah. if a person who doesn't believe the way I do necessarily comes to me, and uh, then you can see the imbalance. Exactly. So yeah. I just choose my faith to be a verb. Mm hmm. I just want you to see it. Yes. Not feel like you don't have it if you don't look like me. So what I say is bring $100. Bring a $100 bill with you plus your own food money. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a $100 bill. All right? We have, we have breakfast at Denny's and it's the Saturday before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, it's like the 23rd. Or the 24th. I believe that's how it always works out. Okay. So it is the day or so before Christmas. When if you've ever been to a Denny's, or if you've ever worked at a Denny's, you recognize that you don't go to Denny's for the ambiance. You go to Denny's because it's an extremely cheap breakfast. And if you work at Denny's, you realize that the people come to Denny's, come there because it's an extremely cheap breakfast. Yes. And they don't tip. They probably get their 20%. I gave you 20%. Count it right there. See the pennies. Right? But the person who works at Denny's is really, really having a struggling time. Yeah. And that's that's just one of those places that you are proud to work there. You're hardworking and you work there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you work there, because it's what you have to do, you know, there are people that work there that have been there all their life and that's what their fulfillment is. Good and they see it when I walk in because now they know me.
1: (laughs) So it's the same Denny's?
0: It's the same Denny's every year. Okay. Yeah, I've noticed that the staff shows up on Christmas Eve and Saturday before that. I've noticed it now, but it's okay because it gives opportunity. So what I do is the last year it was a little short, but I think everybody was short money, and that was okay. But I have in the past. One year we had 15 people. Whoa. And the bill was I don't know, maybe a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a hundred dollar bill, okay? And I always go in and I said, no, I only want one server, please. Just one. And we're good. we'll be real good. We won't take up a bunch of you know, we won't make it trouble for you, but we just want the one place. And they give us one waitress or waiter. And we just sit together. And we know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's cool. So You know that is a miracle because last year for example we didn't have a lot of people show up but this is a woman who worked two denny's jobs one was in florence the other one was down here in gilbert she had been in florence that morning drove all that way to work in a gilbert denny's and that was her living yeah how much gas is she burning now going back and forth to the two denny's you know for crying out loud she's immense. probably making a net of about 15 bucks a day for crying out loud if you think about it so the one year we gave fifteen hundred dollars the year before that it was almost two grand Wow. that one person just got instant so i've always maintained if you want to be a, a person that really um lands on the i don't believe in faith or anything like that you can do that
1: mm-hmm.
0: but be a human being to others then yeah and then you know what you're going to find <laughs> that you're a miracle
1: that you yeah, yeah that exact motion
0: and then all of a sudden you're gonna go wait a minute i don't understand how's this happen i'm looking every single day every morning and every evening i say the same simple prayer and it isn't anything that is grandiose and oh my god and christianese and all that it's just mm-hmm. dear lord thank you i rejoice i just rejoice please let me be someone's miracle and I rejoice for the miracle that I will see in you. And every single day, I may not win the lottery, but every day I can find you, or I can find her, or I can find them, and I can be their miracle. Yeah. It doesn't have to be cash. It doesn't have to be anything. It could be just me sitting there and listening to that person that day. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that to me is what faith is. And that is why I believe that I'm here for a purpose. And did I cause that purpose to happen for me to be here again? Did I cause it? I don't think I did. Oh, like, did you have
1: some uh, um, good equity built up?
0: I don't know. I saw myself dead. I know that much.
1: So people would ask.
0: I saw myself dead.
1: You saw yourself dead. You saw yourself lying in the car, on the street.
0: I saw myself dead. I saw people doing what they were doing on me. Mm-hmm. And the crazy part of it was, I have the opportunity now to ask the question before anybody knows. Hey, Sean, I got a question for you. I saw papers on the floor, on the ground. Mm-hmm. I saw my flip-flop. There was a car, I'm sorry, there was the fire engine parked behind me. It was on, and I smelled diesel fuel, and I heard it. There was an ambulance pulled up to the side of my vehicle, and I even had the directions of the police officers found because I, I witnessed it all. Yeah. So I told him what I had seen. He says, oh, yeah, I've been talking, huh? Talking to Leibniz. said, no, I'm telling you for the first time what I keep seeing in my own mind. Yeah, It's a recurring dream that I have.
1: So, so you you they're coming to you as you're recovering, as you're sleeping.
0: No, I'm dead in front of me on the ground. It's my foot moving.
1: Yeah, but the um, the memories of that because we did talk about how you're your first your, your last memory was was the tailgate and then the next one is your your wife del- right the intubation right how do you decipher it's a dream this? i can't tell you anymore yeah, yeah. so like is it like so now i'm going to because i'm just trying to understand right yeah i'm like, oh, trying to
0: i'm going to a neurologist in two weeks to try to understand what i've been going through you know it's definitely crazy.
1: not not never trying to nitpick anything i'm just trying no to, i know. in my mind you tell me that like is it hazy is it black and white is it just like this feeling that you that's rushing over your body
0: yeah i can i can describe it undescribably it's yeah. a, the only way i can do that i this is what has to happen to me it, it, during this whole process it, well, the one thing that i needed most of all was i needed to know What happened to me actually? Yeah. Because you're a realist.
1: You want to know. I want to know exactly what
0: happened. So I literally am looking at a police report. (laughs) How how many (laughs) times have you read it? It, It's nuts. Just reading this police report, it's actually pulled up on a scene of a dead dude, basically. Yeah. All right. And 13 minutes is so long. Mm. Yeah. Think of. Three minutes. Think of (laughs) Freebird.
1: The short version, right? (laughs)
0: <laughs> right yeah i mean my god we used to make a joke oh we could drink a 12 pack in Freebird, you know because it was such a long that was so long and the crazy part of this was um it it wasn't during it but it happened to me after this mind this this dream or it's like a dream first i thought it was just a dream i was like okay this is crazy yeah and then all of a sudden it could start com- coming back. Mm-hmm. And then I would have a nap. And there was the same exact thing. It would never change. Have you ever had a dream before and then have it come back, the same exact dream? It never came back. Yeah. But this one, I, it, right now, I'm going to shut my eyes, and I will swear to God, it will, boom, hits me. And it's it's like, like kind of like staring at the sun. You know how you, you get... you those imprints on your eyeballs yeah that's how it feels yeah it's a weird imprint in my brain i can't get it out of my head it is a crazy imprint and i i what's crazy is that if i go and i try to to, to in detail examine it even further i go into this dream of and it is exactly what was happening to me mm-hmm. I, I cannot explain other than that you know mm,
1: and there's no there's no need for anybody yeah. else to for, for you to try to explain but that. It, it's
0: crazy what kind of consciousness is that you know yeah i gotta ask what kind of consciousness is that and so i got a call Mm -hmm. i've been in several newspaper articles and i was on the channel 15 news whatever so i got a call Mm -hmm. from first it was mayo clinic you know and i'm like okay so i answered no i don't need a home warranty or whatever you know they go i'm (laughs) sorry you know we're looking for kevin mohan i'm like okay well apparently somebody had forwarded one of these articles yeah because of the time frame I was down, they were interested to know if I had what's called an NDE. And I'm like, I thought, like, what does that mean? They you know? like, go a near-death experience. I'm like, oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah I, got, yeah, I had one. It wasn't near. Uh, it, was, it
1: was kind of far away. I guess, the, I guess they say near just because you, you die, but yeah. you, you're not dead.
0: You're back. But, and the crazy part was I was attached to a pole in my in this vision that i have i'm like third person all right looking down at myself uh-huh. no kidding and I, I i was thinking all this time i'm nuts man i'm bonafide losing my my because of for however long i was down i don't know and i'm starting to think i'm losing myself right because this is just nothing's ever happened to me before and this woman called and and she started talking to me and I said okay she goes would, would you be interested in taking part in our survey and I said the survey would because well we have surveyed 70,000 people mm-hmm. it's the University of West Virginia I think they're from it's like over 70,000 people for over so many years yeah. and um they only ask the same questions so they don't divert away from they just ask these questions yes. and they kind of stipple map it as to what the responses were. Now there they, they go. First question was, "Do you have any proof that you were dead?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "How much you, do you need?" Yeah. Well, yeah. I go. That was straightforward. But okay. Yeah, I have three. And they said, "Okay." And who are they? And I said, "Well, I have a police report. I also have the fireman's report. And I have my cardiologist that said, yeah, you were gone because he was there.' You yeah. know, he was in the emergency room." So he was there on the other line waiting for them to get me to him, you know? Wow. So that that whole team was all c- collaborating. It's okay, 13 minutes, yep. And then she went on and she asked me more questions. And she asked if I um, experienced uh, any sense of uh, vision or any, I said, well, I saw myself dead. And she goes, okay. And that was a yes or no, all right? And then she asked if I was fearful during this dream. Mm, okay. and I said no she goes oh were you happy and I went no <laughs> I'm, I'm neutral yeah like neutral you know I'm, I'm, like, ah, I'm not hearing angels but I feel this encompassing feeling so I'm kind of like neutral you know I'm sort of ambient in yeah. a way and uh, she goes okay and uh, the other one of the questions was um, did I know anybody you know, did I, I, I felt, I felt this, this weird sense of just kind of a close familiarity. Yeah, it's hard. It's a very undescribable. It's yeah. a hard thing to describe. Uh, people say, did you feel the light at the end of the tunnel? No, but there was this weird sense of um, kind of a halo, mm-hmm. like a glow kind of thing. And it didn't have a shape, but then again, I could see shapes in it. It was just strange. Mm-hmm. And it's still the same dream. It's yeah. the same thing I have all the time. And so we went through the list of things and they actually categorized me and they said, yeah, um, you have what's called elevated. And I wish I could remember the third word, but elevated something recall. And they said that they have people they've spoken to up to 60 minutes that have been, um, like for example, now not all of them were me in the street. Yeah. Some of them were on a table. Yes. You know under ice you know going so through they were things.
1: having this memory or this experience for up to 60 minutes yeah
0: and they were clinically completely gone dead oh. you know completely clinically dead where they're they pushed the button <laughs> yeah you are dead and so our, our bodies can function like um unfortunately a young nephew they kept him on these machines right right even though there's nobody there you know yeah and so Anyway, um they have a ample amount of information, and that helped me i the only reason why I cared to because it just helped me yes, it helped me go to understand what I feel like i'm understanding yeah that's,
1: that's the ultimate yeah
0: because it's so hard for everybody to grasp what i'm trying to tell them yes you know i I've, every doctor they they get it because they like I completely know what you're saying because they've had other people talk to them in the same manner, yeah you know, but for me being down so long it, it was crazy it just crazy and you know i can't help it but it's changed me <laughs> yeah it totally god, changed god, me man not man god is yeah. good i'm telling you what <laughs> so,
1: so i guess at, at this point for you for the memory that you're having now about this moment is there like a like you get sucked back or for now it's just it kind of just shuts off and then next thing you know the lights are back on or is there's there, what like, i'm going to do a whole like
0: i got this weird thing going on and I'm going to a neurologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I requested it, and and they said, yeah, I think we should do that. You know, for a couple of reasons. Um, I want to have a base level, okay, of where my brain is at. Actually, from this period of time, I want to know. Okay, I'm real thankful for the compressions and all that, but I want to know if there's any base level of brain that I might have functioned. I've had a little bit of memory things, but I've also been through an awful lot.
1: Yes, uh, of course. You know,
0: um, I always tell people if I forget how to play the guitar. Put me away. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad, man. <laughs> so um, anyway, I'm going to the neurologist, and I'm going to talk with them about it. And um, I would be interested to know if they can get a picture of this. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it interest you to know that if I could, because it's in my head, what I'm experiencing. Oh, gotcha. Like, like It um, is a vivid thing. It is nothing vague about it now. It is extremely vivid. So if I shut my eyes right now, if I go deep at it, I'm going to be bawling in front of you because it's so overwhelming.
1: For sure, for sure. And I get, I get, you know, goose pimples just thinking about
0: it. It's crazy. Um, So anyway, I'd be like,
1: so are 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 you? Are they taking like an image of your brain under that thought, or are they able to essentially?
0: I don't know. That's what I'm curious about this. So I'll be talking to him about it. You know. Uh, I'm very, I'm just, I'm, I'm not morbidly curious, but I'm excited curious because um, I know that you can imprint memories and things when you're doing scans on the brain. You can see things that light up and things that are not working, you know, and that's part of it is to see is that person's, you know, functioning in that area of the brain. I don't know much about neurology, but. You know, I did have a couple parents that had dementia, so I learned all about that part of yes. it. Yes, you know,
1: you had two parents that had dementia.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my well, my real father he passed away from dementia. And my mom had Alzheimer's.
1: Good. I do want to get into your mom's in uh, that beautiful song you wrote. Oh, thanks. But I did also want to circle back to you. Say you were adopted, so you mm-hmm. um, you did you find your biological parents? So what
0: happened was my my mother was with me my stepfather adopted me and my brother and severed my biological father's rights he just left gotcha you know he just abandoned us yes and um and think about it you know in 19 i would have been 1968 you know single woman with two kids meant mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity out there for her no. and that's where we were you know single single mom a couple kids and uh, some family, you know, that would kind of help out, you know, but yeah. my, my dad stepped in and he took it on and he had two kids himself. His wife had just passed away from cancer. So he was a wreck. Wow. So we were the Brady Bunch in a big way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he adopted me, you know, he took the the responsibility and he stepped up for that. And I never, never, and I've adopted my kids same way. It's kind of a crazy cycle thing, but yeah. both of my kids are adopted. Oh, and, uh, that's beautiful. yeah. So that's, and he passed away with dementia. But my my biological father, he he tried to find me um, when I was eighteen. I actually saw him at eighteen. Here I was, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. I was a center in an ice hockey team, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> man. and he's like, okay, <laughs> you little know, short fat. Look. And yeah. I was like, nah, that ain't happening. Yeah. So that was the last I ever heard of from him. And wow. I got a somebody what his. I want to say his wife or daughter or somebody found me on Facebook, yeah, and wanted to know if I would rejoin the fold and all that. And I'm like, bye, you know. So my dad was already demented, and and my I call him my dad, you know. And yeah. so you know, I buried him with full honors, uh, Marine honors, yeah. fly over the whole bit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh. But so that's you know that's the the uh, adoption know route that I ended up taking so, yeah yeah now last name used to be Vinton Vinton V-I-N-T-O-N yeah so when you learned cursive writing back then it was like between second and third grade I didn't know which to write you know <laughs> Vinton or Mohat so they said write Mohat you know yeah little things like that when you grow well they you know?
1: didn't even know because you're like well what is right but also mm-hmm. like how do you feel like really you know like what should you identify as at that point mm-hmm. right it's yeah, a
0: battle you know it's a crazy thing people don't realize um the and this is one of the lessons that I try to teach um, but I teach people the difference between impression and impact
1: hmm having an impression on somebody versus this person their <laughs> presence really had an impact on me right now
0: yeah impression is oh jolly old fellow or man, he inspired me to be a comedian. Mm, mm-hmm. You see, yeah. So where are we in life? That's where it is. And I've always maintained, you know, don't just be impressive. You know, be an impactful person. Try to have impact.
1: I'm gonna take that and run with it, Cov. because I love it.
0: You really need to. Um, it is about impact. Um, I look at me being here. Um, I'm alive, and I am not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't dodge a bullet. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy didn't hit me in the head with that thing. Actually, I was dead. I was already gone. Completely flatlined. There's, there's, I, my whole body shut down. Kidneys failed. Liver failed. Everything failed. Completely nothing. I'm a corpse. Being pressed on a yeah. lot. So I have to look at that honestly and truly say I'm a very unique man. I'm very unique. Yeah. Um, I found out through... Um, I, I reached out to a group because i was struggling you know it was like what happened here man what is this thing in my head and what is going on and i i was going through all kinds of scary parts you know yeah and uh um i reached out and a man who had his own cardiac arrest years ago but he developed a foundation of people that have had sudden death Mm -hmm. i didn't realize there's a lot of us most of them have it in a hospital or or that kind of thing, but over yeah, because e- your, your odds are m- diminished
1: no. if that cop isn't in the neighborhood. I'm a goner, man. If the fire department, isn't. I know where that is. It's on the south side of Warner. Mm-hmm. There's f- green fields there right, right, right. And, a, and a new build across the street. I'm, I'm very familiar with that area.
0: So go by the grace of God, because seriously, you know, had I made it home, that was my full intention, was to go home. I got
1: to get home. I'm not feeling that. I got to. And home. I'm that
0: guy. Get out of my way. Mm -hmm. do not stop me from going home Mm -hmm. i am going to go home i was just going to go home and somebody said no you ain't (laughs) and put me in the most likely spot to be saved yeah flat out dead center of an intersection a thousand yards away from them police officers in every neighborhood basically in gilbert yeah for sure put me at the number one place you could possibly have a completely fatal fatal widow maker of a hundred percent you're dead there's no other way you could get around that and the fact that that's where I was coincidence okay fine but I could just I'll keep stacking up coincidence on a coincidence yeah, on a quin- I don't question uh, it. yeah I'm just, here's another one what do you say to that oh yeah Jeez. thank you can I have some more <laughs> right you know so I don't push it on people but I'm telling you I'm here man yeah I don't know how you proved me, but I'm here. <laughs> and this is one of those things that I've really recognized. Um, one of the things that was interesting was that the lady that I talked to, after we got through this little little question, I wanted to talk to her. I'm like, geez, what do you know about this and that and that? Because mm-hmm. my brain was just frying yeah. all the time. And <clears throat> the one thing that I asked her, I said, how many people have you met that, are absolutely certain that they had seen like family members and things like that. You know, I just want to know because you hear that. Yeah, of course. And she says, we hear varieties of the same thing, varieties of the same thing. And I'm like, interesting. Okay. So we as humans, we went definitive, don't we? You do. Okay, we we want binary.
1: Yeah, I want to know what's the right thing to do. what's yes. the right thing to do. I need to know.
0: Yes, but see, um, people miss the fact that um, our universe is not necessarily binary. Mm-hmm. We we as humans, we measure things. Yeah. with binary. What I mean by binary is um, there is no such thing as cold.
1: Well, what's cold to me and what's cold to you what can but you there's handle, no right? there's
0: no definition of cold uh-huh. but lack of heat gotcha okay <laughs> yes but we call it cold because we it's want not, to be able to measure it's not darkness it's lack of light That's exactly right yes okay. and that's how that's what it is it is just it's a lack of it, but it isn't binary definitive on both sides okay? okay We can define darkness as complete lack of light, can't mm-hmm. we? How do you define light? Besides, there is no definite. See it's how not a that,
1: lack of darkness, because darkness is the baseline point. Right.
0: So we as humans only really try to logically connect things binary, mm-hmm. meaning you're either strong or weak. Well, what's that middle person? He's less weak or less strong. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but it's weak or strong. Yeah. You know. So we as human beings have a hard time rectifying that, and I do too.
1: Yeah. Naturally.
0: That's the hard part that I try to explain to people. They go, well, can you give it some definition? I go, it can't be defined, but it's so re- real to me, but it, there's no defining it. it it's not binary, mm-hmm. you know? It's, so that's where the human brain in itself, I believe, wrestles. Yeah. They wrestle with their own immortality. For sure. They wrestle with what human beings have told them.
1: yeah. So when I think about people having like their near death experiences and what they see, a part of me, because we're we're, you know, impressionable and we're trying to make sense of it, that we almost have an idea of what it's going to be. And it kind of plays out in our mind because it's already <clears throat> kind of imprinted. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see a loved one. Oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel or oh, there's this. Yeah. So I, I feel like to a lot of people you that actually be, just kind of go through the motions mm-hmm, oh right. i read this chapter i read this i read right, about right. this this is what i'm supposed to see so your, yeah. your brain kind of manifests that and it can, maybe it brings you peace right in that sense it could
0: yeah although i can tell you that in my experience um there is no definition there's no possible way that i can remotely even possibly have imagined what i still have in there because I, I don't think i could have even thought it up mm-hmm. um Gotcha. Yes. You know what I mean? So the predetermined thought, I could see how somebody with all their training and all that kind of stuff. I see that. But this is a, it's so undefinable. It's hard for me to describe it other than um, the part, I'm looking at this in my head, um, the part to me that is definable is the physical interactions. I can define it. I did define it. So it's not like I could predetermine what I was going to happen. Mean, I I told them where the positions of the, I mean, I could just, I knew where it was. Yeah, It was, I mean, it's just like the people say, oh, I was in a hospital room. Well, they were looking at, and then they would go on to describe the machinery in the yeah, hospital. Exactly. Or, There's a different animal. Yes. You know, to say, oh yeah, I was in a hospital bed. but
1: Yeah, because you didn't know where the ambulance was. Because they weren't even there. Yeah, I
0: was all confused about the paper
1: you're like what's that paper doing
0: there? i'm like what's this paper shit i mean what is it i mean i knew it was me at first i didn't even know what in this dream it, it hit me in icu i was in an, an intensive care unit okay at the hospital <laughs> i'm not kidding you <laughs> i freaking freaked out yeah because you're you're like what's this dream i'm having and
1: it's like oh wait that is me, me.
0: yeah you know how i knew it was me there was a flip-flop you have a birthmark right no, it was okay. a flip-flop. <laughs> it was a flip-flop on the, on the ground. Uh-huh. And I'd come from the hockey rink. Yeah. All right? I'm in jeans. And I have my...
1: Um, Quick question. Mm-hmm. Could you make out your face then? No. It so it, it's almost like, like blurry, fuzzy? No, it,
0: my face wasn't... Um, no, I didn't see my face. I saw my feet. Wow. I didn't see my face. I saw my feet. And the way I knew it was me... Was because of the flip flop. There was only one, only one flip flop because the other one's in my car. Because mm-hmm. when I get in the car, I always take off one flip flop and I drive barefooted with that one. Yeah. Right? Another one. So when they pulled me out, this flip flop was still on my foot and it was my left flip flop. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, I'm going, what is all this I'm doing, man? I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. I'm doing all this like forensic, trying to identify what the guy I'm looking at. And so this happened to me the first time in ICU. Scared the crap out of me because I did not know what I was experiencing. I really, really, I thought I was dying, actually. Did you have like
1: a, like a, like a freak out moment where like your elevated heart beat? Like... Um,
0: I don't think so. No. I wasn't upset or scared or gotcha, worried okay. or anything like that. I was just like, geez. I, I mean, when I was like, I woke again. I really went, what in the wide Gotcha. World? So you weren't having a physiological response where no, you like, freaking out. No, no. I was just yeah. going, what the heck was that? Gotcha. Okay. It was like a drive-by shooting, man, what the heck? And it went that quick. It, was, it wasn't It was a long time either. Yeah. It's a very short loop. It's not long. It's just a short loop and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Crazy thing. <clears throat> so, I, could, I knew it was me because I saw my flip-flop, but I was like, what are these paper? It, it was um, white paper. Yeah. And it looked like and i didn't know what that was so i said sean i I, like and we were talking you know and he's like kevin tell me about it you know and i said okay i said what's this white paper he go he just looked at me and he, he got teared eyed and everything. he goes what i go i see this white like torn papers what is that he goes that's me trying to put an iv in your in your um bone marrow oh, shit! i was dead okay yeah. so that means there are no veins working when you're dead, your, your veins don't stay like that. They flatten out because it's, like it's like a bounce house. You got no blood pressure to do. Yeah, yeah there you go. You got to keep it open, you know? And if you don't, everything collapses, everything. It's mm-hmm. so it's like a bounce house. If you shut that, it just... That's you, that was me for 13 minutes, okay?
1: Deflated.
0: Yeah, well, when they got to me, they had done all these compressions, and now they're trying to paddle me. They put They did three paddles, and when they got there prior to doing the paddles, they're trying to get an IV in me. All right. Well, they can't because I'm dead. So they drill it. Apparently, my son told me this because that's that going to hurt for a while. But they drill it right straight down into your bone where the bone marrow is at because that's part of your, your circulating system. Yeah. So they drilled into my bone marrow. Final effort, you know, final answer is drill into his bone. And that's what those papers were. I'm sorry so but at
1: that point it's like how do you know about them right
0: how do I know about these papers Shoot, man. I don't know what can I say to that oh. right <laughs> that's just kind of big so it's 115 Kevin I got all day long but you know okay because no, I, I see kind of them walking around no they, they're letting out over there though. okay perfect so, so how about <laughs> what can I say <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I've had a lot of conversations with folks that go hmm yeah and I'm like, I don't know, you answer it, and tell me what you got, and I'll listen.
1: Embrace the mystery. Try try to f- find it for your own understanding, but just embrace that, you know, maybe some things aren't, aren't meant to be defined, you know? And maybe you can take meaning from that, because not being able to define something doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can't find yeah. meaning
0: in that. Crazy enough, it got defined for me.
1: Mm-hmm. How so?
0: All right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't understand these things. So I'm not a scholar. I assure you. I'm not that. Um I've lived a long time in in a very short amount. Yeah. And uh so I was having some pretty serious question marks. Like, what in the heck was that? And where is this thing going? I mean, it was just a big tizzy and i I had been warned that i might feel this way so i'm like okay i'm gonna just tackle it you know it's like i did with ptsd i just tackled it Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) sold a bunch of fire. we're dealing with it yeah and so um i called up one of my very old close friends he's a pastor but he's also a musician that i played with in a band with for almost 10 years you know and uh, we were very close but he's very knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and He's also a pastor he's been doing it for 40 years and he's seen a lot of people come and go and oh, so for sure you know i called him up and i said you know he found out about it. he actually texted me and said, okay man you know said, i'm alive you know that kind of thing yeah. and um so we talked on the phone this is like a monday and i wanted to get with him anyway but it was like on a monday and and he says um how are you and i i broke down you know i was just having this this image in my brain it was just this image that <laughs> I, I, uh, I was thinking I was going, man, you know, because it was really frustrating me. And yeah. uh, it, it, pretty frustrating, i got to give it that. So I expl- he goes, well, describe it. And I said, I can't describe it. It's undescribable." He goes, does it have shape? I said, no, it doesn't have shape, but I see shape. Is it bright? I go, no, it's not bright, but it's, in, it's just hard to look into. Mm-hmm. He said, "Um, do you see people? I go, no, but I feel people. Mm -hmm. Can you name them? No. Are they they feel familiar. Yeah. I said, it's just like all this vagary. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's what it felt like. I'm like, Is this all this vagary, but it was brilliant. It's still brilliant. It's like a supernova at one end, but it's like this really warm, fluffy marshmallow at the other. I mean, it's just a crazy feeling I'm having. He goes, oh, okay. When to get together? I said, sure. Yeah. We get together, and we meet down here in Chandler, and uh, we don't say anything. He goes, oh, and he slides it right at me. You'd have to read it if you want to know what I know, but it was Matthew 17. It's called the Transfiguration. It was right after, in the Bible, mm-hmm. where Christians believe, and I do, that Jesus was raised from the dead and actually appeared in front of the disciples. They were frightened. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew 17, it describes their frightened nature. Yeah. It was my frightened nature that, that it was describing. Yeah. They weren't fearful, but they were. Yeah. And everything about it was completely, it wasn't this and it wasn't that, but it was this. And as I was going through this, I'm like, I'm reading this. And it completely defined what I thought I was seeing. Didn't answer what I thought I was seeing, but it defined it. Mm-hmm can't say why yeah but it defined what i already knew and so i had set about as a logical thinker i'm a rational person i can shoot a rifle very very far away and i don't make up numbers i just go no these are the real numbers this is the real number we use yeah that's just my brain so as much as i have faith i also am a questioning critical thinker
1: yeah as you should be as i am yeah. a very
0: critical thinker and i don't just throw tizzy tizzy and then all of a sudden i have somebody explaining to me without any other in- intercourse that what i specifically was feeling and seeing had already been written that written about thousands of years ago by somebody that i never met
1: yeah and and how do i
0: define that i don't know and exactly like right. what you were so a binary thinker would try to find the plus and the minus of that a binary thinker would look for the plus one minus two equals oh that's a negative one number see this is the problem with with binary thinking in general i've never been that way but i've always been a critical thinker because i'm very suspicious by my extreme nature i'm a very suspicious person and how do i so it's confusing thing for me sometimes too.
1: I think that's a good baseline to be uh to start it off, but knowing that, you know, it's it's not just that you're gonna be contrary and all oh. the time or anything like that. No no, 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 no. But it's like, hey, let's let's take a step back real quick. Okay, cool, now let's proceed.
0: Right. And I think that um one of the if we all did that more for crying out loud, we would see, okay, you know, stop getting information from Bad sources, number one. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of a lot of people's confusion in life. I don't care if it's about religion or about politics or about health or anything else. People just don't have the accurate information. What is accurate? What is made up? What's What's kind of hard when some people are just
1: trying to find information that they already agree with anyways? Precisely. So that's what makes it hard.
0: That's exactly right. You know, this is my number one pet peeve with um, religious people in general. Okay? And I call them religious people because I'm not i'm on my own i just i'm walking my life yeah it's my journey man you know it's just my walk yeah do it if you want okay follow me if you want it's your deal though it's not it's my view is if you look at me and i walk out of here and you go that dude's pretty cool man that dude's heart's in the right place and whatever Mm -hmm. he says you know it's real to him then you've
1: pushed one more person towards
0: I don't know. I think it's, um, life is a vortex anyway. I think we tend to get in wind tunnels and we, we go that way. I prefer to be um, a leader mm-hmm. and I prefer to be a better example of a human being. Yeah. If I can, I'm not always that person, but I think that is a powerful thing. And also, um, I feel some clarity from being dead, man. Yeah. Well, it's almost I feel like
1: real clarity. Is it? Is it in the sense of like, well, I already experienced it. So what's up? Like, I'm never- hey, you know what?
0: That's a real feeling I had. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I was already dead.
1: Yeah. Been
0: there. My book is 13 minutes. That's the name of it. Nice. 13 minutes to the side of heaven. Because I'm telling you, I was there. I sat there. I know I was there. And now I'm here. Now I'm here. Which would I have rather been? If I was truly the Christian that people think I am, if I was truly that, that religious person that I was seeking out, the, the greater high, you know, what the, the sky fairy says it is, right? Yeah. Would I rather be there or here talking to you in downtown Chandler with a bunch of homeless people walking around and my bills are due and the gas is six bucks an hour, a dollar, whatever it is, and all this sh- crap coming down the road? Most people would say, Damn. Man, it was peaceful where I was. Or could
1: you be home, you know? Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah. As
1: you were trying to get home.
0: Okay. So here I am. Incredible amount of, of twisted thought that goes into that. This twisted thought. Because what it caused me to do is to recalculate and be clear on what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. Recalculate clearly. It was yeah. a complete. almost like a
1: minimalist right would come back and be like don't need need it
0: it." don't need it don't need it need it yeah yeah absolutely intense amount of clarity that was really bothering me at first too and i then i read up on it and then i I started to research and i talked to a psychiatrist and psychologist who has dealt specifically with people that are like me there i have found out that i'm point zero let's say there's five zeros Five zeros and a one percent of the people who have had a cardiac arrest. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's why they've never met me before. Yeah, I have freaked out more doctors when I walk in and they look at me and they're going,
1: "Really? Yeah, really." Poking <laughs> you, I like pulling on your ears.
0: This guy real. I know. I went. My first doctor I had to go to was a primary care guy, right? So my heart rate at the time was like really like 35 or 36 it was low because they had me on this medicine and i was probably low anyway yeah. so i'm sitting in his office and they did an ekg on me and he comes walking in and he's all quiet and everything and i'm all hey doc how's it going you know and he's like doing well thank you and how are you and i'm like he's doing treading right? lightly uh, yeah and i'm like i'm doing great how's your life man are you good you know and i'm being all hyper and stuff and he's like i'm doing well I says, what do you know? He goes, well, what I know is I'm looking at a person that I'm a little concerned about. And I said, what are you concerned about, Doc? And he says, well, I go, the fact that I had a widow maker and I was dead three months ago? Yeah. (laughs) And he goes, that would explain the brachycardia that you're currently experiencing. Okay, let's talk about that. (laughs) He literally had the lady outside, like getting ready to call the ambulance because he's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Dang! He thought it was so. I later got to know him. I said, "So have you ever met me before?" And he goes, "Nope." That's so f-
1: and for 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 you to be able to sit here and, and laugh about it, and you know, the joke, hell. and 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 uh, kind of like have fun and seeing these doctors
0: kind of squirm hilarious. a little bit. Right? They We're squirm, man. Like, hey. They're like, "Dude, what are you doing here, man?" And I go, "Yeah, met me before." I have you, and they're like, "Because they're nope. trying to make sense of they it. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they can't. They they can't." So I'm like, okay, do your best. Yeah. And I'm okay with you doing your best. Try to make sense of what I got in my brain. And if you can't, that's okay. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, it's in my head. And it is there to stay. I think it's just the craziest feeling. What's, the, <laughs> um, what's your timeline on the book that you're hoping for? I mean, well, I've been advised. Um, first off, the man I spoke with, he was worried about me. Yeah. you know he was worried about me um one of the crazy feeling, I, I i shared it with you and i i'm well past it obviously but in one of the initial things that happened one of the, he said wait because what i'm experiencing is very real but not too many people can share it mm-hmm because I'm here to share it. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. It. I mean, that that's one of the, the specialties, the specialness, I guess if you could call it, of this book that I want to write, you know, I don't want to write about Kevin Mohat. I really don't. I'm boring, you know. Um, <laughs> Come on. I, I, I could pontificate about myself all day long and I'd be the only guy to read it. So, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to spend my time writing what I already know. But what I would like to do is I would like to, um, and it's, in its initial glow, I guess. But I've, I'm 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 a writer, so I've written and I've been published and things like that. So, um, what I want to do is I want to somehow or another encompass what you've never experienced.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And what your curiosity is about my experience, mm-hmm. and and then the discourse that we're having about it. Yeah. Because you may or may not have faith in in what. You, I believe, and therefore I act on it, meaning it's my verb, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So that's my belief system. It is my verb that I live by in my world. And it isn't about uh, anything but just trying to be a better person to you or to that person. And I fail all the time. But to me, there is a bigger calling here um, because I've experienced something that is so unique that has given me such a clarity. On priority, yeah. Who's important? Who ain't important? What they look like when they're not important? Mm. Gotcha. You know what a person looks like, how they are, and you can just see it because you know I'm coming from a point of view that, um, you know I had the really my wife and I had the conversation of, honey instead of us having a little tiss or a little maybe a disagreement or at the time it was a fairly flamed argument because my emotions were just all over the board yeah all over the board and you know but what calmed me down and hopefully brings everybody back is that you know we could have been preparing my funeral too yeah and my worry for her is what would you have done we weren't ready for me to be gone yet you know because you we you, weren't ready
1: you've had a significant amount of time um maybe preparing for the other way around
0: right but nobody prepared anybody for sudden death in on higley and and warner road and the the absolute punch in the face that would have been mm-hmm. right so that priority of empathy to really recognize jeez Take it easy on her you know she's going through it herself yeah meaning she's trying she's my wife is amazing amazing woman she's fought breast cancer she's just an amazing person on this she's my rock you know but at the same time i had to say i'd have left her completely alone she'd be alone and sad and all that so that clarity did you have
1: like a sense of like maybe invincibility as you, you, you know, here you are. Yes, I do. 60, playing hockey with oh, guys oh. half your age. Um, you before know, the management. before my Widowmaker. Yeah. Mm. Did you have a sense of like, you don't have to worry, man. I'm good. I, I, I train special forces. I'm very healthy.
0: I'm, I've never really felt that confident about my health. Um, yes, I'm very. She and I are very, very involved in our diet and um you might have seen some of the things that i cook but i just we're very focused on good healthy eating we have this two-thirds rule that we have it's a great rule if you're trying to lose weight it's perfect
1: Well, share it what is it
0: um we do a two-thirds rule okay um and there's other things that we watch like i don't do sugar anymore or at least if i do it's my addiction yeah, yeah. and um salt we don't do any salt at all, gotcha. we don't add any salt because that's very bad for your coronary mm-hmm. um, health. But anyway, two thirds for us is we do a third of any kind of protein we want, I don't care what it is whether it's a hamburger, I don't know if it's juicy, whatever. Just a third of any protein, mm-hmm. and then two thirds of anything green or colored Gotcha. has to have color in it,
1: yeah, like orange, red, sweet. yeah, nothing white, yeah. <laughs> white or tan or yeah
0: okay so that protein with the vegetables and uh, it's amazing how we've just our palate has changed it used to be i was heavy into pasta heavy into real spicy food
1: also the 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 salt allows um the food to be like a little bit more not 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 satiating but it, it um your
0: body wants more of it one of the things i learned about salt is that it triggers your saliva glands you want more Yeah, saliva glands are activated so at it once it, that's what happens when you are like, your body says hey I'm about to eat yeah so you, your mind tells you to start salivating because here comes the good stuff you know mm-hmm. you throw a french fry in there man it's like happy you oh know God, so, yes. so I've been real conscious of that I, you know I quit drinking and um, I, I quit cold turkey uh, drinking I, yeah, we talked about that yeah absolutely yeah. cold turkey um, I was putting 30 beers away a day yeah a day you know i had such a hard time after my retirement um i was just suffering with ptsd in the worst way and um it was a battle i just never really could feel victorious against um was
1: that from your time down in the americas
0: no um really what happened to me was here local um i trained the channel police department as a um, defensive tactics instructor down there for quite a long time yeah. and um as a member of the community i offered my services and they accepted gotcha. i had special skills and they realized it eventually And i I'm like, guys, they started off coming to me and then they realized, dang, man, let's just get this guy on board. So, you know, they, they welcomed me into the department and that's how I trained them. I ended up with, um, MCSO DPS. I worked for the joint counter narcotics task force for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, you, once you go that direction and it got ugly, you know, quite frankly, when, You leave a karate school, and you hit the real world where violence is potential. It, it's kind of a weird transition, but in reality, it is what I was after anyway. It was this, was the discipline of my school with the power? of my ability to really aff-
1: not really affect the community because you were still affecting the community because people were coming to you mm-hmm. for you yeah. know, service to become more self-sufficient but now you're you're empowering the the forces that are tasked with yeah and one
0: of the one of my reasons safety. for teaching the law enforcement was not so that i could make them better fighters was so that i could teach them how it's not necessary to, to escalate. fight yeah because if yeah. you're you don't you're need scared to fight for your life you're, you're gonna, gonna fight hard it yeah. yeah,
1: you're gonna escalate it. Yeah. That's 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 a big issue. Yeah, total think, issue with 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 people in general. But if you again, if you feel like you're in danger um you're gonna react you're gonna in a very dangerous way Yes, you will. whereas if you're trained to remain calm and you have all your wits about you because mm-hmm. here i i've been training with you know kevin and right. i know how to handle myself then <clears throat> you're confident enough to try and de-escalate you know,
0: i taught i brought a very special skill to the law enforcement it was called ppct pressure points control tactics it was the fingertips yeah there's the fingertips All of your body in this system. There were 13 that we used because they had done enough research on them. They realized that they were safe on the human body for me to strike, touch, or or tap. And um, it left very little, if any, evidence of a physical altercation. But at the same time, there was enough control put on the person to where they didn't hurt the officer. And the officer didn't have to hurt them to feel safe. And it really helped. And one of the reasons was that Chandler, at the time, years ago, had a class action lawsuit. Mm-hmm. against the police department for profiling they were racially profiling people mm-hmm. and hispanic community predominantly and <clears throat> so they had to learn a lesson you know and they changed the department structure and they eventually changed some of the leadership as well you know they had a little bit of that good old boy leadership and now sure. it's, it's a fine department and mm-hmm. they turned into a fine department but as in the process you know i trained their special teams and And one of my close friends, Jim Schnediger, he was killed the afternoon that I trained him in the morning. A very close friend of mine. And I ended up training both of his kids. And now, um, uh, Rupert, he's a Chandler police officer. You know, so they make, you know, nobody wants a ballpark named after you for the wrong reason. You know, anyway, he got whacked and he was killed. And it was a bad day to see your friend's brains on the wall. Yeah, tough day, you know, and i've been through that several times and that kind of reality it's it it's better just kept (laughs) off to the edge you know and you know it's there but that's a tough thing you know And most people don't recognize that because they haven't been through it you know but it has allowed me uh, empathy yeah It's, it's taught me empathy because um i believe that if you've been through hell i mean that was a hell and i've been through hell a couple of times and I can recognize your hell and that's important. You know, that's huge. It's a huge thing to recognize your hell. And, um, I reach out to people all the time. I'm doing it right now with somebody that's a very important person. Um, he's struggling immensely with addiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, you know, one of the things that I have to say is that I see this light, on people it's not a true light but I see a glow and it's in their person it's a something about you all right and I just saw this person hurting a musician but he was hurting and he's gonna continue to hurt yeah he's gonna keep hurting and he needs to know that God. it don't go away yeah yeah it just doesn't stop hurting but what we do is we learn where the hurt comes from. And that makes a difference. The hurt doesn't go away. But if I understand where the hurt is coming from, I can recognize it. So I had to recognize my own PTSD and why I wasn't really mad at my son or my wife or those people or Mexicans or the people that drive the cars with the chains and all that and why I, I didn't wanna go shoot them all For Mm -hmm. killing my friend Mm -hmm. and why I didn't want to go put my you know I mean those are the feelings that you have and very real feelings and you killed my friend man I want to kill you back and I want to do it really good you know those are the bad bad feelings that come up and so when a person's um I see those pains in them Mm -hmm. you know I, I just see that and to me that's my faith that's the verb the verb yeah that's the verb And so when people are confused about that, I go, I don't know, what's your verb? (laughs) All I ask is, what's your verb? And if your verb is to go out there and change humanity and to be that person that you've always wanted somebody to be to you, you're doing it, man. Yeah. Right? You're doing it. But this is my verb. This is how I want to be. Because I recognize that pain is intense, man. It's a painful thing. How do you say to your wife, I mean, how do you say to somebody's, you know, your best friend's wife. I'm sorry. You know, I was with him this morning. You know, what do I do with that? How do you do with that? You know, how, how do you console somebody who's lost their son to fentanyl? How do you do it? How, what can you possibly say to that
1: person? Uh, sometimes you can't. It's just your presence and you being able to be there for right. them. Right. Um, my uh, my good friend uh, Tom Arbaugh. He's a chaplain here in uh, in Gilbert and Chandler. And, um you know he's a professor mm-hmm. um in in religion and all that, and it's a, a classic story. Me and him go back and forth, just having great conversations, and he was telling me, you know this uh this couple lost their young young kid unexpected, like less than a year and a half. Why'd God do that? Yeah, so he comes in, and you know he's like, "Hey, I'm the chaplain, like let me know if you need my services." And the guy was just sitting there. The dad is just hands, uh, facing his hands, just crying, bawling, you know. And and so he kind of like sits down next to him and, you know, he's like, I'm here if you, if you, if you need me. And uh, the guy looks up and he just goes, why? Why would this happen? And here he is, studied, read scriptures, you know, teaches class on all that. He's like, I could have literally just gone and be like, well, you know, quote this Bible verse, quote this, quote that. And he looks at the guy. He goes, "I don't know." Don't know. And they just sat there and cried. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's it, man.
0: That's all you can do. That's why I say that to people. I say, "What's your why?" That's all I got it. What What is your why? What is it? You know, what's your verb? What is that verb? And I encourage anybody, no matter what it is. I think when a person questions what their verb is, you know what happens to them? They find God.
1: Yeah, they try. They, they have to. Because point, it goes because beyond if you. If you're looking at it as a noun, and what I think most people do.
0: <laughs> it's a little <laughs> pocket monkey, man. Here's my badge. Yeah, you got the plastic Jesus up on the dashboard. You know, mm-hmm. there's a song about plastic Jesus on the dashboard, right? <laughs> this is the whole process. That people are so into that, that physicalness of what they think a religion looks like. Why? Because we can only do things binary. Yeah. We can only put Jesus had to have been a blonde guy with blue eyes, and he had to be wearing white all the time. Hmm. Do you think that's the case? No, that I think he mean. was probably a black man, and he probably walked around looking like a homeless dude yeah. most of the time. Yeah, By the stories, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who came up to, with the blonde-haired blue-eyed guy?
1: They That's not. S- they had to have a binary thing. You had to sell it to the pagans
0: Maybe and all you that. Got to yeah. have a vision of something. I'm saying to you, if you seek out what your verb is, yeah, you'll find where God is at. That. because it is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And when we find gratitude, when I'm grat, I'm truly, truly, truly grateful. Now I can be abundant. Right? I cannot be abundant until I'm grateful. Until you are, yeah, great, very true. So what do you do to the other person when they? And this is, a, hear me. This is probably the kingpin of what my conversation with you today is. Is yeah. gratitude. Okay. If, and it's just recently I just I met this young man DeMonte, I'll never forget him. I was on my way to go to the studio, mm-hmm. and here I got three thousand dollars worth of equipment in my car. I got a car. I got me and. All the things i'm going to do today are very very cool and wonderful yeah right and it's going to bring you joy it's going to bring me a ton of joy and i'm also excited because I, i see myself able to do it again and here just a while ago i was worried i wasn't gonna be able to play anymore all that kind of stuff yeah right so i'm i'm in joyous mode and i gotta eat something because i know it's gonna be more than a couple three hours so i gotta eat something so i go into the circle k and on my way past there's like this mexican fast food well it's how do i explain it it's almost like a food taco truck at the circle k it's right next door it's on higley road yeah higley in like baseline there anyway okay here's Demonte. he's 17 black young boy black youth and he looked like he just had a hell of a night mm-hmm. a hell of a night and i don't know what happened to Demonte, but it didn't look so good and he was sitting right next to this taco shack, hoping that somebody was going to give him a taco. I'm sure of it. All right, and I was see I, again. It's this light thing. I just also I was like, wow, that it, it wasn't like he had a light on him, but it was like instantly I just drew to him, boom, like uh, as if he had a spotlight on him. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's it's my verb. You know, <laughs> I'm looking for it. It just shows up. If you're looking for it, it will show up. I assure you. If you look to be somebody's miracle today. Today, you will be somebody's miracle today. Yeah. And then what happens is they are grateful. And then when they're grateful, you know what happens to them?
1: They have to pay it forward.
0: They can feel happy and they can feel joy and they can feel growth. They feel important. When they feel gratitude, they feel like somebody cared. Yeah. They felt like somebody cared. I couldn't help him to where he needed to be. So I, I walked in I I walked out and I said, I said, I don't know your name. And he says, I'm, I'm DeMonte. See, I remember their names. <laughs> I just remember their names. Okay. I said, DeMonte, I said, I don't have much to give you, but I bought the two f- for $5 ham cheese sandwiches and I gave him all the cash in my wallet and I said, I want you to eat today. And I said, this isn't a lot of money, but I know you're not going to go buy any beer or anything like that. I said, what's the matter? What's going on in your life? I won't tell me. I wanna know. And he says, My dad just kicked me out and I gotta go. I said, Where'd he kick you out of? He says, Well, I came here to see my dad and he didn't want to see me, so he kicked me out of the house and I have to go back to California. So he had come from California because he thought maybe his dad would want to see him. I don't know the story. Mm-hmm. His dad didn't want to see him or for whatever reason kicked him out of the house. And here Dante is now homeless and he gotta find a way back to to California, supposedly. I don't know what his story yeah, is. Yeah. And I'm not here to, to size it up or to exactly. do any of that. I'm just here, dude. I want to know that you're loved right now. Somebody today will remember you. And I'm thinking of you. So here's some of my God to you. What's the matter with that? Nothing the matter with that. Do you think that person's thinking, man, I just felt a miracle today? Right?
1: Yeah, because you, you even took, a, it took the time to listen. To listen.
0: To listen. So the people at Denny's, when I do that, it's not because I'm doing something flashy and I think it's a gig. I truly, truly, truly believe in my heart. When I pray every morning, I say, Lord, please show me the person that needs to be me. Show, bring it in front of me mm-hmm. so I can look closer and look, find that person easier. Just help me find the person, and I will be there a miracle if I can so help guide me to that. I don't do anything else. I don't do anything else. I don't go to the ATM or none of that cra- I don't do anything. I just say, please put it in front of me. And every day I find it, right? Every day I find it. And never see them again. I never see those people ever again. They're just out of my life, but at one point was it an impression
1: or was an impactful moment?
0: Was or was it an impact? Yeah. You see, so the Denny's thing, I hand somebody fifteen hundred dollars. I say, "You're you've been blessed," is what I tell them. Yeah. You've been blessed. This is the predetermined miracle happening here, folks. Mm-hmm. Predetermined. They don't know that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So out of nowhere, was it coincidental they happened to show up that day? Don't know. But I'll guarantee you, they had a need. And they had something that was specific that I answered their prayer for. Mm -hmm. Not that I want to have good grace with God or anything else. Brownie points. But the fact of the matter is I asked that morning, please show me the person that wants a miracle today, that needs it today. This is a person I said impact. I can hand them an extra 50 bucks. Okay, great. And I go buy a toy for Christmas. But if I hand them $1,500, they just made rent. Exactly. They They just paid car payment. They just bought baby formula or their diabetes medicine or whatever. Whatever, yeah. That's impact. That's big. So, you know, I have my feelings about the other people out there that won't open up their big glorious church to people during the flood. Those people <laughs> oh, I'm gonna tell you something. Yeah. They weren't in my little orb. Those no. people are not gonna be in that vision. They are that's what it that's what Matthew seventeen read, by the way. What I was experiencing were our family that's what matthew 17 is in trans- in the transformation it describes how what we are welcomed into heaven is by our family and the people that have gone before us that have loved us that are there that they welcome us and it's it's that love that you're feeling it's this weird sense of yeah <laughs> i don't know but <sighs> and that's what i felt you know and i just feel like all those people we have impact on my my young nephew He's, he's whole. I believe it. Yeah. I believe he's whole, you know, what a sad thing. What a sad thing. He almost had to go. He almost had to go for his, for my wife's sister to move on. Cause he was so damaged that she was stuck. Yeah. Yeah. She was so, she's still stuck and I love her. She's, but she's been beat up by this young man who she desperately loves and misses Mm -hmm. desperately, Mm -hmm. desperately, desperately misses him. What a terrible time. You know, I feel terrible for her. She's just broken. And there's no way other to be than broken. If I lost my son for any reason, or my daughter, or my grandsons, or my wife, you know, you, you feel that broken sense. Okay. And I, I pray, you know, that she finds the, the peace that, you know, somewhere down the road, it's going to be okay. okay. It's a tough time. It really is. So I just look for that. You know, that's kind of my personality, you know. Now, the days of... God, I hurt a lot of people. Man, I hurt a lot of people. Yeah, Physically, probably emotionally as well. I tread a lot of people, you know. And those things are behind me. And I'm sorry for that. And I hope I'll make my attunement, my atonement for that. Yeah, but.
1: do you feel at peace with those? Or is there still some work to be done? I have
0: work to be done. Yeah. I think everybody has work to be done. Um, You know... What is the work to be done? What is it? You know, look for, can it be found? I don't know. Now there's a, I've given you on occasion um, some quotes that I like to to read from. And I think you might've even. I got the book. um, Yeah. The Tao. Yeah. The Tao Te Ching is an amazing um, book of order. Mm -hmm. Mm That's what I call it. Yeah. It's a book of order because it creates order and disorder. It creates rhythm in sinus. It creates a sinus rhythm in chaos. You know, so it teaches us that the world has its balances and flows, and it has its imbalances. And when we're on the imbalance, it's obvious why. When we're on the balance, it's clear. And so there's that forever balancing. And and is one time spoken to me by one of the masters: "What is balance? What is your balance?" You know, what is it? Describe it. What does it mean? It's equilibrium, isn't it? It's the body telling itself that we're equally present in our, in our stance or, you know, on our bicycle or whatever. But what is balance in our life? We're just equally present. And to be equally present is not just, you know, to be there financially present. It's, your life is all encompassing encompassing so what is balance you know and that's that's kind of what i look for and that's what the dow really addresses is balance you know um the best leaders lead from the rear the the leadership is a sheep's butt is straight out of the dow because it is that it's it's the best leaders never say i did it the best leaders are walking in sheep poop and they say come with me right yeah saying you did it Mm -hmm. And those are leadership principles. But anyway, crazy. <laughs>
1: well, I don't know how the, uh, the intro video or the, the time lapse is going to look because the, uh, the phone. I'm actually now scared right now to see if there's, a, there's the full videos out there. But I do want to put the uh, intro into a time lapse and a loop to the uh, beautiful song you wrote for your mom. Oh, for my mom. Yeah. Okay um that was a cool song yeah i want people to find it so Dude, it's, it's yeah. everywhere right um
0: i'm on everything yeah. uh, spotify itunes uh, apple kevin mohat yeah kevin mohat with two t's yes yeah, yeah. all you gotta do yeah and the next one coming is i can't wait for it um it's just gonna be so it's serendipity at its finest because i die on the 14th right yeah well on the 18th we were going to the we were in studio already booked <laughs> players and all ready to go in this book and this song is called it's about time (laughs) oh man you know some people think that time is money you know it's not it is not money i promise you because you only have so much of it and will you spend some on me you know
1: that's beautiful because i didn't you you mentioned that the song's about time and i've been um that's kind of like what hits the the most right now you know my kids are so young um in my mid-30s you know and then you'll love my song (laughs) Time time is is a motherfucker right now. And uh, I went to go watch the new Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah, how was that? Uh, It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the part just hit me, you know, where it's like, uh, spoiler alert, um, he has to traverse near a star and and break uh, light speed. Or hit light speed, you know, Mm -hmm. the hyperspeed or whatever they're calling it. Well, he keeps failing. But every time he goes, you know, it's like a four or five minute mission. Well, he's warping time. So he comes back. Oh, it's been five years. Right. So he goes on a multitude of missions, watches his best friend and uh, Ranger becomes his boss. You know, age, age. He gets married, has kids, has grandchildren. Right. And then next thing you know, you know, she, here's a video because she's gone. And, um, you know, he uh, he's battling that. You know, he's he's maybe aged like two months. But here is this, this woman had a long life 70 80 right, years right, right. you know and uh that part just kind of hit me and the rest of the movie's really good it, it, it's it's all about time and what you do with it and what it means to you right it's it's it was really
0: good here's one of the things that i uh, what was in my mind when i wrote these lyrics all right and one of the lyrics in there is that we look at life upside down as though we're still a child because we see ourselves as a child still. For
1: sure, We still
0: see ourselves as a child. Mm -hmm. And I go on to write on there that, you know, it's roller skating as a little kid, you know, holding the hand for the first time as a little kid. We still see ourselves in that juvenile, very young age. But as we grow, that time is gone, okay? Mm -hmm. And as we go away from our childhood, and we go away from, people say, oh, my childhood sucks. You know what? Everybody with a bad childhood can find something about their childhood that didn't suck. Yeah. I challenge everybody. When they say I had a shitty childhood, I said, well, let's talk about that. So tell me about the one thing about your childhood that absolutely sticks out as the brightest moment of your life. My grandma. Oh, then you had a great childhood. You knew your grandmother. Wonderful. Tell me about your grandma. Yeah. And then I'll sit and I'll ask them,. And, about your And you watch them light up. They'll light up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. oh so you had a wonderful childhood you just had bad things that sprinkled about it well yeah yeah okay here we are right so i look at this time and what the the ironic the ironic part of this song is that the last verse is you reach in your pocket looking for money did you find any more time there Mm -hmm. you're all out of change and the time is gone didn't have any despair and the, the wasting of time, the wasting of energy on just things that just don't register. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you're spending any time on it at all yes. is an indication that you need to get right because that in itself is some, one of the clearest things that I've pulled out of this whole experience. Of mine is time. I assure you 13 minutes of time Kevin, I'm looking forward to all that. Thank yeah. you for setting aside time for me. My pleasure.
1: I appreciate it. All right, man, I love you. I love you too, brother. All right. <laughs>
0: oh, I got
1: high, I'm slow now, getting up. Uh,